This is Wrestling for the Faith. Wrestling for the Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I'm Casey Cage. And I am Chad Lill. Gunner. Chad. <laughs> Gunner. Jackson Riker. Phil Shatter. <laughs> Just plain old Shatter. All of these. <laughs> all of these. Just keep them all. All of the above. Oh, man. Well, how you doing this week, brother? Good, man. Good. Just, uh, it's been a good little week. We finally got no rain here in North Carolina, man. And uh, it's nice to see some sunshine. The weather's a little warmer. Of course, next week it'll be probably 20 degrees here, but you know how it is. But yeah, bro. I can't complain. Yeah, that's the same this week it, here. It's been nice. It's been. Yeah. Hopefully, stay in the fifties and sixties on through till we get to summer. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm tired of the rain. I'm tired of the. Uh, I'm good if it just stay one or the other. If you right. want to be cold, be cold. If you want to be hot, be hot. Just pick one. It's the wildest weather I ever seen in my life. Man. I know. We got more rain this year. We, we have you guys gotten snow yet? Uh, a little dusting, and that's about it. Yeah, we haven't got anything. Knock on wood, but I'm I'm waiting on it to come barreling in soon. So. Yeah. So we got an interesting uh, topic today. Had a lot of feedback, a lot of people interested in this one. Uh, we're going to be discussing the Forgotten Sons. Uh, before yes. we get into that, I want to ask a couple of questions that came to us at wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. Uh, this, <laughs> two, two questions here. Uh, oh, boy. One says, uh, they are from a one Mr. Brandon Myers says. Uh, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. That sounds familiar. He says, yeah. Coach wants to know how he can get quads like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Coach, when you're tuned in here and listening, um, a lot of squats, brother. <laughs> a lot of squats. I used to, man, in the Marine Corps, my leg workout was like two hours. <laughs> <clears throat> bunch of squats, leg press. So, uh, I don't know, maybe genetics also. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. stick with me, coach. I'll coach you through this. Man. Yeah, there Just we let go. me be your coach. There <laughs> we go. Number two, he says, this one's also for Chad. No. How can you be so agile in the ring but get tripped up by a tree root playing kickball? <laughs> <laughs> oh man well first of all i've never said i was agile in the ring <laughs> second of all that root come out of nowhere <laughs> that was funny i was on my full sprint and hit that root man i was like good i'm glad it blew my knee out i, I planted it there it was it was my evil plot to yeah. victory so. coach that was our secret man i appreciate you uh you know disowning me on that but whatever <laughs> kid gracious all right man well let's jump in here i thought that was funny he he sent those over and i said i've got to read these on the podcast oh yeah oh man um dear lord but anyway so uh we talked last week you signed with wwe for a long time you're just you're just working under the name chad lale Yep. What what are the matches that you're doing? What exactly are are you running angles? Are you just doing spot show matches? Yeah, we would do Florida loops, man. Where we every weekend, Friday, no Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were doing uh, basically what we call a Florida loop. So we would uh, do the west coast of Florida, the east coast, you know, and all that, and then you know we'd go up into uh, uh, St. Augustine, Jacksonville, all these different 
shows we would do throughout the weekend. So for that time, man, I was just running basically no no angles. They really wouldn't do many angles on the Florida shows. I mean, they would keep kind of TV angles going that were going on. But for me, it was at that time just working some of the some of the new uh, the Chinese talent we might have had. Uh, some of the like what we call green guys in the business who are just learning the business. They put me in there as the as a, more of a, a veteran type role, I guess, man, just mm-hmm. to kind of lead these guys. But then, you know, there was times where um, I would work with, uh, oh, man, who is it? Um, I'm trying to think of his name on TV now. Uh, but we, we worked some stuff with like Bobby Fish and, and uh, you know, the the uh, Undisputed. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Her name. So, I mean, we got an opportunity to work with those guys, at, you know, as we progress into the Forgotten Sons. We'll talk more about that. But starting off, dude, it was just, <laughs> it was like, hey, Chad, work with uh, so-and-so that's literally still in training. This is our first match. I had a lot of first matchers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, it was rough. So, you're just, you're just working as Chad and you're doing like – are they talking about any plans? Are they pitching any ideas to you? Are you pitching any ideas to them? How's how's that process working at that moment? Yeah, I'm pitching ideas, man, for singles character stuff. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I'd been in a tag team, which I always, always enjoyed tag team wrestling. But, we, you know, for for the most part with WWE at that, at that time in, in NXT, man, the writers – not saying they're not thinking about stuff going into the future, but they're not pitching anything to you unless, you know, they just have this grand idea of, Oh, let's try this. Right. And um, so at that time, no, I'm, I'm just taking opportunity when we did promo night, which was on Monday nights, we'd be there from, I guess, five to seven doing promos basically in front of one of the main writers for NXT SmackDown and raw uh, Joe Bell Castro. And, you know, me, I was just trying to try different things, different characters, different promos, um, stuff that caught his attention and it did. Um, he liked a lot of my, my promos that were not wrestlers type promos that were more, uh, I was just trying to build a character, trying different things. And, um, you know, I was really one time leaning towards trying to, um, like pursue this Brian Pillman style character that he had in the attitude era where he was just laughing and crazy and all this. And, uh, he liked that a lot, but we, um, nothing ever really came out of it. It was just because it kind of, out of nowhere, it was like, oh, let's put these three together. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, we're just pitching ideas back. <clears throat> okay. Well, let me let me jump in. You you mentioned you mentioned the the character there. Uh, you texted me the other day and said something about a recent promo that I did yeah. uh, for for uh, the show in Chatsworth, and I told you I would tell you the story behind that whenever we right. get a chance for a call. So let me, let me throw that in there real quick. So if anybody don't know what we're talking about, it's a promo that I cut a couple of weeks ago on Brent Banner going into our title match on February 4th. And I had, I was outside, it was raining and I'm talking about being in a slaughterhouse. And I asked Brent if he had ever been in a slaughterhouse and smelled the stench of death and you know and i I talked about how uh the butcher will pull in a an innocent little lamb and and shut the gate behind him in the stall and then he'll just straddle the lamb across his back like he's going to ride him and then he'll pull out his knife and he will just slit the lamb's throat and watch the blood you know drip and and his life drop to the floor Mm -hmm. so For a few days, I helped some people out at a slaughterhouse. 
Uh, yeah. This is a few years back. Now I'm I was good with deer. I've done you know I've done deer all my life uh, with the. And for some people who might be a little squeamish, some of this might be a little graphic, so you might want to turn the volume down for just a second. But uh, yeah. but with the cows, they would come into the stall. You'd take a twenty-two, pop them in the head. Yeah, you know they would fall. You would skin them, and you know all that. Um, and then the hogs, the same thing, no big deal. Well, we got a load of lambs one day, and the guy pulls the lamb in. And I go to grab the 22 and he said, no, no, you don't need that. And I was like, okay. So he gets in the stall with the lamb and just straddles it. And then he reaches and pulls out his knife and the lamb's just standing there looking straight forward. And he reaches down with his knife and he just slits the lamb's throat. And that lamb just stands there and bleeds out. And yeah. then falls to the floor. And dude, that's what did it for me. That I said, I can't, I can't do this job. <laughs> the, the, the pigs, the cows, the deer, I'm good with all of that. Quick. But, but at that very moment, dude, it gave me a whole new picture of where the Bible talks about Jesus as a lamb led to slaughter. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, I mean, man. this yeah. lamb, it didn't fight. It didn't push back. It didn't try to get out of the stall. It it wasn't r- trying to run whenever the man got in there. He just got in there, and the lamb was so gentle, and he just reaches and, and cuts it. And I'm like. Just took it. Yeah, I was wow. like, I can't do that. Because if I try, if I have to do a lamb, I'm going to be thinking I'm doing that to Jesus every time. Yeah, so, no doubt. Okay, this this job is not for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's, that's wow. What a picture. And I wonder why. Why they do it that way instead of shooting them. I, I guess just because they're so gentle, you don't have to waste a bullet. I don't know. <sighs> that's wild, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, I told you I would give you the backstory on that. There's yeah. that. Um, a lot of people was like, man, that was such a vicious and evil sounding promo. What in the world? Where did that come from? I was like, yeah, but when you hear the backstory to that, you'll you know, understand you'll know the truth. Yeah. That's so good. anyway, wow. back to, back to NXT. Um, so you said you never really dreamed that you would become part of a tag team. Now, no. when did they first pitch the idea of you now were, uh, Blake and Cutler, were they already doing a team at the time? They were. They were already forming a team, doing stuff like on the uh, NXT loops and then doing stuff within the Performance Center, working on tag moves. So they already knew that those two guys. Now, I think what happened was um, Blake had just finished up with Murphy. Cutler was kind of on on his you know own. Uh, Blake was trying some single stuff that just wasn't working out. They made him change a gimmick. And then um, Blake, I think Blake and Cutler came together and said, let's just, you know, they were best buddies anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just, uh, let's just start working on a tag team. And they did, man. They didn't really have a name picked out yet or anything, but they, um, they were working tag matches with each other. So I think <clears throat> what happened from what I hear and what I understand is Steve Carino kind of saw me in limbo <clears throat> and then saw these two guys working on a team and went up to Blake and Cutler and said, what do you guys think about putting Chad with you guys to try a trio and see where it goes? And they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely, because we always got along. All of us were, you know, cutting up even when I came in for my tryout. 
Cutler and Marine, we had that in common. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, and then Blake and I had known each other. Lord, he had come to TNA one time with Dory Funk, oh. part of Dory Funk's group. So him and I had met years ago. So uh, that's really how that came to happen, man. Steve Crino pitched the idea to us and then pitched the idea to uh, Coach Bloom and then the writers and said, you know, this is give, give these guys an opportunity. And that's kind of where that led into play, which was good because I was in limbo. I was Chad Lale doing a bunch of different promos that I could think of. And then these two guys were kind of trying to get this tag team kicked off, but weren't really getting anywhere with it. So um, I think Steve, Steve, if you don't know Steve Carino, I mean, I'm sure listeners out there do, and you've probably met him, Casey, mm-hmm. but he uh, just full of ideas. He's one of those guys. I mean, he came, dude, he was around ECW, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, all these guys. So, when it comes to wrestling, man, he's an encyclopedia. He's a guy that thinks, you know, uh, for the future, he thinks of storylines, character development. Uh, just one of those guys that I'm very glad is on my side. Yeah. So when you first start going into this, uh, do you remember around about dates of when y'all's first um, time together was? And yeah. were you still Chad or had they given, had they pitched Jackson Riker to you yet? Or you No. So actually, yes. So right before the sons got together, um, they came to me and, and, uh, Bill Castro, the writer <clears throat> said, Hey, we're finally going to, uh, go forth with getting you a name. And we just need a list of five to 10 names. And I'm like, Oh, all right, well, cool. I got a few. I got, obviously I threw Gunner in there. Uh, like what was it? Uh, Man, I, I wish I had that list sitting around somewhere. I threw about five or six different names to them. Um, Gunner Jackson, I think, was one. Like, um, obviously, Jackson Riker was a choice of mine. Um, there was a few others. Frosty McFreeze. No, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a, that was on the list of the Stone yes. Cold names, right? Frosty McFreeze, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I threw, you know, obviously Gunner was in there, but I knew Ralph Beth. They're not gonna, they're not gonna give me that because in my contract when I signed with WWE, I owned the rights to Gunner, so it was in my my likenesses that I owned. Um, but what I was happy of real quick was the fact that a lot of guys in NXT got the um, hey so and so here's your name, and it would just be just terrible. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I actually get to have an opportunity to choose my name. So the story behind Jackson Riker, they they that's the one they chose, which I was kind of dead set on that one. So I uh, used to be a big sons of anarchy fan. So the main character was Jax. And I was always like, man, that's a really cool, cool name. Um, Jax or Jackson spelled with an X and just, I don't know, for something, yeah. for some reason. And then Riker is a name I've always had in the back of my mind of naming. If I ever have a son yeah. naming my son Riker. So I just threw those two together and was just like, well, I just throw this one on the list. And uh, lo and behold, that's the one they said, man, we, we like that one. And they had to go through, it was like a, probably a two or three week process, a whole legal procedure with WWE. Like it couldn't be anything that uh, was a song name. I just, so I had to remember that going into this thinking of a name. Okay. Well, I can't do anything. that's going to be trademarked, but that's, uh, that's the birth of Jackson Riker. So I did get the name. Thank goodness. Before we, um, you know, before we started into forgotten sons. All right. So then you are, you're in the forgotten sons. How do y'all debut? We debuted, so our first Florida, like, loop match, not televised, was April 26, 2018. And I think I sent you a picture the other day. I was in, like, a just a random – we all of us were in random jackets. None of us matched. I was in, like, long tights at the time. I went through this phase where I was like, I wanted to try the the uh, Chris Benoit-style long tights. 
Um, then I realized, no, man, trunks is the way to go. But the um, so yeah, it was at Inglewood Rec Center in Orlando, Florida, April 26, 2018. We had our first um, basically six man. I can't. I want to say it was against three of the uh, the new Chinese guys that we had, you know, been training with and, and working with. So um, that's where it happened, man. That was the debut for the Forgotten Sons. I, I sent you that picture the other day. I was like, wow. Crazy yeah. memories. <laughs> My hair yeah. was a little shorter. Beard was a little, yeah. little shorter. It was crazy. Uh, now, uh, before we get into, okay, well, like, was your hair, you know, you, as Gunner, you had it long, long beard, all that. Uh, yeah. So, during this time that you were off from TNA, in between TNA and WWE, you had cut your hair, cut the beard. Was it them that said, Hey, let's grow it back? No, no, it was my call. I, I realized that like we wanted kind of a, you know, all of them, Blake had long hair, Cutler was starting to grow his out. And I was like, well, I kind of want to bring that, that grungy look back. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. with the forgotten sons, we were kind of the, that grungy tag team, those fighters or whatnot. And then, and always in my mind, I was like that long hair really kind of helped me stand out longer beard at the time. Obviously, you know, when we, you and I first met it, crazy but um no though that was something they 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 gave us the free range to do unless they you know now different obviously fast forward into raw when vince was like we want you to cut your hair trim your beard look more baby face you know that was a call for that and and really at that time i i was sick of long hair i was sick of the long beard yeah um and i was like oh absolutely but nope that was my call man okay cool all right now was lacey evans originally put with you guys she was so we didn't we never did a um like an eight person tag match but we did a couple times on the florida shows they had her kind of as as a ringside piece for us now she was doing um she was doing women's matches and all that stuff during the shows but she would also come out with us and help us like win or or whatever be a be a, a, a distraction so i think in the in originally i know Karina was talking about it because you had um was an insanity that had Nikki yeah. cross. So they were like, well, we could do a lot of cool stuff on TV with these guys. But then I don't know who got in. Maybe Hunter was like, no, we got some other plans for, for, for Lacey. And um, so that kind of, it didn't do it. It fizzled out within a month, maybe. I mean, yeah. it was a couple of times really. Cause we were, we were always like, well, I mean, it'd be cool. We have, you know, uh, this chick with us and sorry, sorry to say chick. We have this woman with us <laughs> and, uh, so is also we were, a former Marine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, man. But, um, no, it fizzled out really quick. I think just the office was like, nah, we got other plans. And they did. They used her in a way different way, um, you know, way different character and gimmick. Yeah. Well, now what she is doing uh, would have fit in absolutely perfect with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Things I should have been doing after the 2020 tweet, you know, but whatever. <laughs> That's, uh, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> We've talked about it. I, I've even mentioned it here. They really missed the boat with yeah. not bringing you in as like a modern day Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, character. Man, just let I mean, me be me. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I know. It's been a lot of fun, man. I know you asked about debut. So the debut for our, first like match together but then dude like a month later we had our first tv debut uh may 10th 2018 and um can't remember who it was we worked i know i should probably remember that stuff but that was our first tv debut where we still weren't matching there was no matching gear i was in like an old gunner jacket that i had taken one of the patches off of 
um, you know, random pair of trunks and, and just kind of no match. And then we start kind of creatively developing the forgotten sons. And I think we were called the forgotten sons at that time. That name was coming up, came up with, um, I want to say the office come up with that name. Okay. So at that time were, was the forgotten sons originally, um, you know, based on the military background or was it just kind of a sons of anarchy kind of group or because I've heard, I've heard different stories. I don't know that I've ever asked you. I've heard that it was originally just kind of a sons of anarchy deal. And then, you know, once you were put in, they started really honing in on you and Cutler's uh, military background. Yeah, and a lot of times some of the officers would be like, you know, they, they thought Blake was, uh, you know, military. He'd be quick, be like, no, 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 guys, I'm not military. You know, he wasn't some stolen valor guy. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. He kind of got thrown in the military mix. He's like, dude, I'm not. He was, he was, you know, he goes, I played football and, you know, and I wasn't a military guy. But it was a base loosely on the Sons of Anarchy thing. A lot of our ring jacket ideas that, that, that I came up with and our, my ring jacket lady come up with was, loosely sons of anarchy stuff, but also there was a military kind of fixture there where I know we'd come to Hunter one time and he loved the, like the sons of anarchy, the um, just kind of the biker look it's, but then he was also really cool with us talking about, well, let's kind of be like a military faction. Also like Hunter, when we do um, when Blake and Cutler are having a tag match, you know, Jackson's out on the outside, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of the watchman. So if somebody would get dumped out, it was like Jackson Rikers, this, uh, you know, this animal that's attacking, you know, it's, it's just this military faction. It's always precise. So he was really keen about be sure you guys, when you're making tags or, or you're doing something behind the ref's back, it's like, it's precision. You know what I mean? Cause a good military, like a Navy seal or recon Delta force, these guys are precise. I mean, there's no flaws in their in their um, there's no flaws in their movement. So we were, I mean, we worked on a lot of that stuff, man. And then behind the performance center doors, just how we were going to be better. Uh, how we could work together. And even as when we did six man matches, it was just man, a lot of fun, a lot of fun coming up with those things. Yeah. All right. So at NXT, who's y'all's first big uh, feud with? We, they, with, they had us in there with uh, uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze. So we did a big feud with those guys. That, that's kind of what started off there. It wasn't a long feud, mm-hmm. but it was really uh, kind of set the tone for who we were. Cause Blake and Cutler got a chance to really work some good tag matches with those guys. And uh, Brizongo, there you go. The yeah. <laughs> and then uh, for me, I was working the singles matches, really. There was no – they never did do a big feud. I mean, I was working with some of the England guys, which was fun. I was working with Oni, Oni Lorkin, if you know him, which I loved because he's, like, just aggressive. And, if you know, if we're tagging each other kind of stiff, he's not going to come to the back and go, dude, what are you hitting me for? Yeah. Like, we love we love that. Like, there's right. two guys fighting – uh, but that, yeah, that, the Brazongo feud, um, kind of carried over maybe, maybe for about a month and, uh, did a little blow off on TV, which kind of set up the forgotten sons. And we started moving into, um, stuff with the street profits, uh, which was a lot of fun, a lot of fun there. All right. So, uh, while they are doing, you kind of mentioned it a little bit ago, while they're doing a lot of the tag team stuff, you know, you're doing some of the singles matches and it, it always looked, uh, like they just set you up to be an animal. You yeah. were, you know, um, it, it was kind of like, um, and I, I want to know how much of your influence was in this because it reminded me of early Gunner 
10 mm-hmm. wide eyed and you know the you know the old famous picture of after you won the TNA TV title and yeah. holding it in your mouth you know and just look like a wild man uh, a lot yeah. of that you know seemed to be going into this Jackson Riker character during this time uh, so how much of that was your influence did they give you kind of creative control on how to interweave all of that they did yeah and Hunter he Hunter was big about the eyes the expressions my demeanor. He didn't want me stone faced because a couple of times we were kind of playing with the Riker character on TV. He said, don't be so like, and it wasn't me intentionally doing it because you would get mixed, mixed things in WWE where it's like, okay, I want you to do this. But then when you would do that, you know, Hunter in a nice way too, would be like, okay, no, let's, because he would probably see it and go, ah, we need to tweak some things. That's Hunter's mind. Hunter's not, you know, the, the, the Vince McMahon that one week, he tells you to do this and you do it. And then the next week goes, why would you do that? You know, that's not Hunter, (laughs) but we tweaked the eyes. Cause like the wide eyed thing was big in TNA that I did. Uh, They loved, but he said, you know, save that for a moment when, when you're caused to go wide eyed, he goes, just have that glare. Mm -hmm. So don't overdo it. He goes, we don't want eighties wrestler. Don't overdo it. Um, But the intensity did come from the Mr. Intensity gunner character from TNA. We, you know, it's just, they wanted me aggressive. Every match had to look like I was literally murdering, murdering guys, which a lot of the times, if it was an extra spot, I was murdering the guy, Yeah, you know, bless their heart. I mean, they were just trying to get a job and I've been in that position before. Um, but no man, Hunter was hands on with the Jackson Riker character. You know, I was quick to go, what do you, what do you think about this? Or, um, just subtle things, man. It was really what helped you stand out. Cause WWE is, you know, TNA was good. But WWE, when it comes to catching things on camera, I mean, dude, if you're, I've sat in the, the go position, or not the go position, but the production room during TV and watched how many cameras are going on and how many people are steering the wheel. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's a machine. And you got to remember that, that every facial that they set up is going to get caught on camera. Hunter knows, okay, this is what you're going to do when this move happens because the camera is going to be zooming in on your face. It's just, it's crazy, man. Crazy. So you always got to be ready to, change expressions if you're told to through the referee's ears. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, a lot of times the refs are saying, stay there for three seconds. Don't move, you know, yeah. keep that face. Like do that. Hunter says, good job. You know, just man, it's wild. I mean, there's so much flying at you and you're talking about stress level being high, but you got to learn to, to just listen, you know, and, and just be like patient. Cause if they say three seconds, they'll let you know when to go. Um, but that's just the well-oiled machine is WWE. Right. Well, and that brings me to this. Like I've heard a lot of guys pitch a fit who, you know, maybe had made a name at TNA or, you know, one of the indie darlings or something like that. And, and WWE signs them and wants them to go to developmental and, you know, they're pitching a fit. Oh, I, I don't deserve to go to developmental. I, I know what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. But really, until you have been a part of that, like you called it, machine. Oh, yeah. You're going to developmental to learn how they do things because WWE does things like nobody else in this business does things. Right. Well, the thing is, too, man, is you, you hear that and you're like, you, you slap yourself in the head because when I, when I first got signed with WWE and they said, we're going to take an NXT, you got to uproot everybody and go to Florida for developmental. In my mind, I'm thinking, Whatever. Dude, first of all, I'm getting paid to wrestle. Second of all, I'm learning from Shawn Michaels, from mm-hmm. Steve Carino, from Terry Taylor. Dude, the names go on. But then you think when I get there, about 
maybe it was it a month later, a couple months later, Bobby Fish comes in, Kyle O'Reilly comes in, Roddy Roderick, Roderick had, Roddy had been there, I believe. But they come in, and you look around the performance center, and they had different classes. You had your beginners coach with uh, Robbie Brookside. Um, you had Norman Smiley working with some of the beginner guys with like more technical stuff. You had um, Terry, which was the advanced class, which at that time I wasn't in there. I was in Steve's class, which Steve was more of the tag team class. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Terry had like you would look over and Bobby Rude, or I'm sorry, Bobby Fish, and these guys are bumping around, moving around in a developmental state, and you go. I mean, these guys have been doing it just as long as me all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly doesn't need to learn how to uh, apply a technical hold. The dude's amazing. Mm-hmm. But they understood their job, and it made them better. So, I mean, it's like swallow your ego. Realize that, you know, Bobby Roode's come through that place. I mean, everybody's come through there. So, um, to me, it was a great opportunity to sit and just listen and learn. And it's once again, we talked about it last week, WWE has their own I don't want to call it a cookie cutter style, but to a certain extent, NXT was a, a set off differently. Hunter had a vision for NXT. The wrestling style was way different than, than Raw or SmackDown. Um, and that's what we were learning down there. Right. All right. So y'all go into, uh, y'all go into thing with the undisputed era. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen a lot of those, a lot of those matches and a lot of the, uh, what was going on there, but, how was working with those guys? Dude, amazing, first of all. Roddy's is a firecracker, man. I mean, it's like go, go, go. Uh, he slowed down over the years from Ring of Honor style. But um, we had a couple series of matches, like down towards Miami, Florida, on some live events. Um, did a few things on TV with them. Wish we could have really worked more of a few with those guys. But um, I think at that time, Hunter was afraid that the Forgotten Sons were going to be heel when when – undisputed was kind of the cool hills, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he didn't want there to be a clash there. And those guys that turned baby face, which I was like, man, this would have been great. Uh, but working with those guys was phenomenal. Kyle, man, Bobby, Roddy, just um, some of the most professional guys I've been in the ring with giving, they understood what the Jackson Riker character was and what I, what I was told I couldn't, couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just fun to work around these guys, like the big man style, Kyle O'Reilly bumping off of me and, and, you know, Bobby Fish had that kind of um, little step, our little brother gimmick where he was always poking fun of people. And then, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, dude, just a lot of fun, man. We had a good series of matches um, that we really enjoyed. Really physical, dude. Really physical. And long. One of them we had, man, close to 30 minutes long. And um, right at where we worked at the University of Miami, there was a little, a little building we worked at. Um, but, yeah, a lot of fun. Dude. That's good, man. So, when did you get the news that you guys uh, were headed up to SmackDown. <laughs> Dude, funny thing is we, uh, we, we were at TV in Orlando. So this was uh, 2020. This was, okay, we went there in March of 2020, I believe it was. Maybe, maybe the beginning of March, February. I remember I had just got off the phone with my uncle who was sick at the time. And uh, there was just some things going on. And like, we hadn't been used on TV in quite some time. There'd been like, maybe three weeks. And we're like, what is going on? What is going on? And, and, um, Hunter called us into a meeting, all three of us. And we're like, well, two things are going to happen here. <laughs> getting dismembered or disbanded or whatever you want to call it. Or we don't know. Hunter said, listen, guys, um, we just, man, we just don't have anything for you guys. 
And we're all, you can feel the breath leave the room. <laughs> but, and, he, and, and he said, you know, uh, and then he just kind of, he goes, uh, because we're sending you to SmackDown. And he just starts laughing and Cutler like drops the F-bomb and we're all just like, <laughs> like dude, come on, Hunter. And he's uh, just laughing. So we, we got told that way. It was a funny little way. We got told we were going to SmackDown. And uh, we, we ended up getting into SmackDown right when COVID hit. Yeah. So this, okay, so that Hunter meeting had to be January, February because there was a little time frame. And then COVID hit in March. And we ended up debuting, I want to say April or sometime there at SmackDown because <laughs> we were so excited. I mean, yeah, big crowds. And then we go right into SmackDown and the performance center where we're filming from um, 11 a.m. to 3, 3 a.m. Literally, dude, it was ridiculous days and no crowd. And it was just like nobody knew what to do at the time because it was the first you know time we're doing these shows and they weren't live. Uh, so the Forgotten Sons, I mean, we, we, we were happy about it. but. And then, obviously, you, you, when you go from NXT to the main roster, you always get a pay raise. Mm-hmm. Well, we go from NXT to the main roster, and it was like no pay raise yet because we're like, well, we don't know what's happening with COVID, which was always an excuse. And uh, so it was like another nine months where I even got a pay raise. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. It was That's how it happened. It was just kind of funny. Hunter just threw that at us. That's a, that's a benefit, though, during that COVID time. We've talked about it before. You know, a lot of people say, well, WWE don't want indie guys anymore. You know, they want guys that they can come in and mold and that don't have indie habits and all this other stuff. But that right there during the COVID time is kind of a benefit for those who were raised up on the indies, especially us, like some of the old Southern indies where it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a. uncommon for us to go into a building and and 25 people be a sold yeah. out house you know so right so it, sometimes it was, quiet yeah. yeah yeah so oh, so no. uh, those covid times i i had taken a break during that time before covid ever hit and i didn't come i didn't come back until we come out on the other side of it it wasn't anything to do with covid i was just uh taking a break at that time and then you know guys were talking about how they it was so hard and you know all this and i'm like i i don't know i i've i've worked in front of five people you know for a hot yeah. handshake guys I, I know what that's like sure well we did some florida shows too man where from some of these towns i think dade city was one of them and, and not saying anything bad about the city but dude i mean the the place would be packed there'll be like 150 people in the armory but Bro, it was like wrestling in, in the apartment I'm in right now where nobody would react. And you're like, why do you even buy a ticket to come to a wrestling show? Yeah. And it's not, you know, you would have matches out there. Like, I remember um, Alistair Black worked with, like, Finn Balor one time at this this crap hole. And, <laughs> dude, I mean, it was like the people weren't even reacting. And I'm like, this place is nuts. So, going into the COVID thing, man, it was one of those things where, too, I'd been on movie scenes. You know, I'd done movies. So, some of the guys who had done movies understand, like, you're, you're we're basically acting. Right. We're physically acting, but the hard part was like, I remember one time we did some stuff with new day. There was a big move where I took out um, big E and I, and I'm like waiting for a reaction from the crowd. But then instantly I went, Oh yeah, there is no crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, no uh, so you have to remember you're, 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 we're, we were literally acting for the TV screen at that time. Cause that was way before the TV screens around the arena, dude, it was, it was, you know, they had cut off the live TV. So we were doing, one, two, three, three days of, of tapings uh, for like four weeks worth of tapings. But dude, here's the thing at that time, there was no, eventually they went back to live. Um, but Vince at that time would be sitting in the truck or the gorilla 
And if something would go wrong, like a move would botch or something like that, stop the match. Mm. All right, you guys set back up, go back. It was and that's how we did it. And I hate to drop the bomb on certain people who think it's all, but that's just it was so wild, man, because it took you out of the zone. And I mean, there was sometimes, bro, where there was a match I remember. I can't remember that, who it was, but it took them about an hour and a half to get this match down. And wow. it was only about a 10-minute match. And it wasn't because they were just completely destroying and terrible wrestlers. It was like, no, I don't like that. Let's try it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, bro. Yeah. So, and then, real quick, um, we, obviously, you know, you got live promos on TV. You got wrestling. You got promos and segments. Well, all the, pro, all the wrestling got done first. Then all the promos they would do. So, all of the Raw, all the SmackDown promos. They do Raw first, then SmackDown. Bro, the Forgotten Sons were there one morning until 4 a.m. doing mm-hmm. promos. Not because we kept messing them up, but because that was how long of a day it was. And I was like, this is, man. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So when you do go to SmackDown, is it originally the idea, hey, we're, we're sending you straight into an angle with the New Day? Or did you have any direction right at that moment? Or, or how did that work? No, we definitely did. Like Hunter even mentioned that one when we had the meeting that night. Hey, I think you guys are going to be rolling in with New Day doing some stuff then, which was great, man. I knew Xavier Woods from NWA Anarchy. I'd known Kofi from doing extra spots. Biggie and I had, you know, um, talked, you know, back and forth throughout the years too. So we were really excited because we just knew that the, the, like our team against these guys who are super over was going to be a lot of fun. They're obviously they're workhorses, man. Yeah. Um, very open. They were all super open to do anything, try anything. You know, Biggie wasn't one of these guys, you know, he's a big boy, man. He's mm-hmm. a big old man. And uh, he wasn't one of those guys that was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Man, he was open for just helping us build who we were as the Forgotten Sons. Um, so we were super excited going into that. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. – you debut on SmackDown. Uh, if I'm if I'm correct, this is in the middle of a promo, right? Yeah. You've got uh, New Day, Miz and Morrison. Who else is out there? Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party. Is that it? Uh, Who was it? Oh, um, yeah. Miz and Morrison, New Day, Lucha House Party. I think that's it because we did a big four way tag match at Money in the Bank. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. All right, so you guys come in, and it looks like, you know, they've got you guys ready to go to the moon. I mean, it just right. really did. The The faction, the presentation looked great, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I've heard heard some stories uh, with the other guys saying that, you know, they had already been told that the plans uh, were for them to be the tag champions at, you know, a very near future. Yeah. (laughs) Chuckling over here. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, So we're we're going into SmackDown that day. Uh, The plan is to get you guys involved in this little uh, four-way deal to go to Money in the Bank. Mm -hmm. And then what's laid out on the other side? Well, yeah. First, first, how did it feel? Now, like you said, there's not the huge crowds like there usually is. Yeah. But how did it feel to know, okay, I've done extra spots before. I've been here before as one of the guys dressing in the broom closet, you know, uh, and now I'm, I'm walking out here 
and I'm featured. It still felt great, man. It still felt great, even though the the, the situation at the time with COVID, no crowd. You know, obviously we'd have loved to have been sold out arenas because I think the building us at that time would have been a lot lot more fun. Uh, but for me, it was a dream come true. I mean, I yeah. did extra spots. Like you said, I grew up watching the first SmackDown, you know, The Rock and all these guys when they had the big fist up on the, the stage. And um, so it was a dream come true, man. It really was. And getting a chance to go in there instantly and start working with Miz and Morrison, and, you know, New Day and all these guys. And, and, and the good thing about going into Raw, uh, I didn't have to be silent anymore. I got to do promos. You know, yeah. they, wanted, they wanted me to talk. They wanted me to have a character. Um, so there were some tweaks going on there, but it was still nerve wracking, man. Cause you got to think like going from NXT, um, to SmackDown, which is, you know, the big show Vince is always watching. You got to be on point with your times and your cues. Um, you got to be there for the camera, you know, but man, it was, uh, it was still a dream come true for me. Yeah. And a lot of these promos and vignettes that you guys are doing, um, seemed to be aimed a lot, a lot at truth because there are a lot of veterans who come back from war and they're not accepted into society or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I firmly believe that anybody who has, who has went to war for this country, they should not have to, they should not have to pay for housing. They should, they should have a house when they come home. It should be government funded. And, yep. you know, but there are a lot of veterans who who feel like, you know, they're you know, there's a lot who come come back and, and go into uh, deep depression and PTSD and who end up, you know, living on the streets and becoming addicts and all this other stuff. So yeah. a lot of a lot of you guys vignettes and promos are really hitting at this um, and being forgotten no more. Right. And that's what it was about, really. What we took was the the American dream that we, even in promos and kind of real life situation, for the most part, we're, we're saying that the American dream is dead. There's no respect for our country. There's no respect for our colors, our flag. And um, we were going to be sure that the the ones who were voiceless had a voice and they weren't they weren't going to be forgotten. So with the Forgotten Sons, we kind of all brought that together. And they allowed us to do these promos that were, I thought at the time, I was like, man, these are really cutting edge and, and kind of kind of edgy in a way. Like we were talking about your bloods on our hands and all this stuff. And um, I was excited. I was just a whole different, like a whole different character that we were starting to dive into. Um, and so we just kind of took our, <laughs> like the conversations we had had on the road amongst the three of us behind closed doors of how we felt about this society, mm-hmm. you know, the society, like the way it is even more now. Um, okay. How can we incorporate that in promos WWE style? Cause we're not attitude area anymore. We're not AEW where, you know, I'm not going to drop the F bomb on a microphone or have any racial slurs or anything like that. But it's like, yeah. all right, how do we, how are we going to be cutting edge and bring how we really feel about society into the mix? And that's really what I think the writers, cause they came up to us, and kind of got our idea or got some ideas from us. And we said, well, this is what the forgotten sons are about. This is who we are. This is what we believe, you know? And um, they took that and wrote some really cool stuff. We got to tweak some things, um, cut some really cool promos. We, we had our own little, you know, um, you know, undisputed had their little hand gesture. Vince was big about hand gestures. then, so we'd do like the fist over our heart. And, yeah. you know, I was like, man, somebody's going to get mad about this, but 
<laughs> we know we know what happened from there. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that a little bit in just a second. So, okay, uh, they've got these plans uh, for a major tag title feud for Blake and Cutler uh, with the New Day. What were did they have? Did they pitch any kind of singles direction for you, or were you you guys going to kind of work it like a Freebirds rule kind of deal? We were. We were going to work it like a Freebirds type of deal at the time. They were still just kind of keeping us together. And, and the plan was, from what we had heard, uh, until obviously the tweet, because you see that uh, Shinsuke and – oh, man, what was his name? They were tag teams. Claudio? Claudio, yes. They, were, they, they ended up winning the, sh- the titles, I believe, on that next big pay-per-view after the tweet went out because mm-hmm. uh, they kiboshed us there. And uh, so the plans were we were supposed to win the tag titles and then it was going to be like a free birds rule. And I'm sure maybe there were some plans of like, I, I know we had talked about Big E and I doing some single stuff, which man, I, I wish we could have done that. That dude, he's so good. Yeah. Um, so good. But yeah, that's what, that's what the plans were, man. Just we, we, we always pitched the free bird style rule. I'm not sure if it would have got too far. Cause I don't know if Vince would have been, you know, into, well, you know, this week, these two guys are wrestling for the title next week. These two just overthinking things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, th- but that was the plans, man. Okay, so you guys are just sinking your teeth into this angle with the new day. Got plans going forward, and uh, I'll go ahead and and let people know if they want to uh, hear more in detail and and backstory to this. Uh, you can you can go back to our episode, I believe, from a year ago. Uh, yeah. The tweet heard around the world. Uh, go into the wrestling for the faith archives and uh and you can you can listen to that one there june of 2020 okay president trump had just given a speech about america being sickened with the george floyd killing yeah he said he was in favor of peaceful protest but not rioting vandalism and looting he says that uh we will have law and order and that he is willing to use the military to restore order in cities if rioting doesn't stop. Then he says that he was going to go pay his respects to a special place. And he goes over to a nearby church uh, who that had, I believe, the night before um, been vandalized and set on fire by these peaceful protesters. Yeah. At that time, you send out a simple and seems harmless to me tweet. Thankful for the POTUS we have. God bless America, built on freedom, forgotten no more. Mm -hmm. That's the tweet. Simple as that. No racial, no racial slurs, no get these crazy blankety blanks out of the street. You know, somebody needs to, you know, yeah, use the military and go in and shoot them up. None of that. None of that. Just I'm thankful for the president. God bless America. Built on freedom. Forgotten no more. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the media was really throwing out this thing that, uh, the president had had uh, these protesters removed with, you know, 
in violent ways with tear gas and all this stuff so that he could make the walk over to the church. Right. And that I believe is what got you the heat because the media was spinning this, that you're, you're thanking God for a president who just violently removed some, some uh, rioters from the street so that he could walk over and have a photo op uh, next to a church. It comes out a couple of days later that it was nothing to do with him walking to the church, that those uh, protesters were actually being removed from that area because a contractor had to come in and put up a fence. Right. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) here's, here's, here's where everything gets, here's where everything gets sketchy. So, We've talked about it in detail on the Tweet Heard Around the World episode, but just mm-hmm. to refresh everybody, what's going on in your mind right at this moment? So February 11th, 2022 is when that episode came out, by the way. So you're right, a year, basically a year to when this one drops. Oh, wow. Um, so listen, what was going through my mind there was I was and you know always will be thankful for what Trump stood for. Yeah, he was uh, – a loud mouth. Yep. He was crazy sometime, but you know what? He was a businessman. He wasn't a politician. And the fact that he stood for uh, not only Israel, very vocal about that. Finally have a president that stands for Israel. Um, you know, he stood for Christian beliefs. Um, he wasn't afraid to talk about prayer and all these other things, whether he was doing it for the, the likeness of his own character or whether his own heart's right. Don't know. All I know is that um, I supported that. Mm-hmm. I supported the fact that he he stood up for veterans, America in general. But also, if you go back, Casey, the thing that blew my mind about this whole situation was I, I was attacked for that one. But you go back, I mean, to even when he was elected and I had tweeted and posted stuff about him all the day long, but never been attacked. And I guess because like you, we had talked about the other day, this these protesters or rioters or whatever you, we want to call them uh, was a part of this story. And so I guess people were thinking, oh, you stand up for somebody who's uh, forcefully removing people. Well, let's let's be straight here. I mean, the president of the United States of America, um, if you go back in history, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's other times where people had to be forcefully removed because that's our president. And for his safety, you can't just huddle up on this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, but that's it was definitely, we've talked about it on that show and please go back and listen to that one. Um, I was blown way out of proportion. I mean, within a matter of bro, that tweet went out that evening, um, within a matter of an hour. Yeah. I was already being attacked by coworkers, um, cussed out by coworkers, called a racist by coworkers and by Twitter people, which really doesn't matter to me, but my phone number got put out. I probably got 200 phone calls that night, death threats, my address was tweeted out. They were threatening to murder my daughter, murder my ex-wife at the time, you know, and it was just crazy. And then, you know, it's just, um, but that's the kind of, that's the kind of situation it turned into. So in that, in that, in that turn, uh, for some reason, WWE office felt that they needed to take us off the TV because I was open about a president. Now, if I'd have tweeted something about, you know, national abortion day, go out and get your abortion. Oh, there would have been a big issue about that. But that's, you know what, dude, we've talked about that before. I'm not bitter. I was frustrated at the time thinking, what, like, man, like, what's going on with this world? And that's really where I came into my own of not conforming 
I refused. I had so many people go, man, maybe you ought to put out a statement and apologize. And I said, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not, dude. If I just said something like you said, racial or derogatory, maybe, yeah, I would definitely apologize. And I said, I'm not going to do it, man, because that's what they want. That's what all these Hollywood people have been uh, bullied into doing. Oh, I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I stood up for Israel and blah, blah, blah. Dude, I wasn't going to do it. I refuse to, and I won't do it now. So uh, you can go into as much detail as you want, but at this time, how close is your relationship with Blake and Cutler? Dude, we're tight. I mean, we were like brothers. We were talking to each other every day via phone call, FaceTime, text, coming up with ideas like what, you know, this is what I think we should do. This is some tag team moves I think we should do. Um, we were really, really tight. I mean, we traveled together for the two uh, the two years that the Forgotten Sons were together until I moved back to North Carolina. I mean, we were on the road together. <clears throat> we were um, – we'd go out to eat together. Our families would get together. Kids would get together. Um, so, man, the relationship was wonderful. Yeah. All right. I'm going to read a couple of uh, snippets from some interviews. This first one is uh, from Sports Kita, July of 2021 with Wesley Blake. And he says, the whole situation got halted. When we got called up, we were told that we were going to be feuding with the New Day. It looked like we were going to be with them for the foreseeable future. Then that tweet happened. Steve and myself, we asked Riker if he would take it down, but as a man of his own, he respectfully said no. So Steve and I told him, well, listen, we are going to separate ourselves from you with our own opinions. So we did. When something like that happens, it's something that you can't weigh on, Wesley said. You can't sit there and gripe about it. I did what I felt was right and what I felt was needed to help move on. After that, Riker has called and has apologized. He never meant for that to hurt our careers or to dismember the Forgotten Sons. He is very apologetic towards me and Steve. Uh, then me and Steve started pitching ideas to get us on TV again. Fortunately, they did this thing where they paired us with Baron Corbin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then here's one from Fightful with Stephen Cutler, May of 2021. He says, listen, everybody has their opinion. Everybody's allowed to have their opinion. That's the point of social media. Obviously, there's a two-sided coin to everything on how you feel and how you view things. Feel how you want to feel. Say what you want to say. That's your business, not mine. I'm walking the dogs with D, and I get a bunch of texts. My phone starts blowing up. I'm like, what the heck? I'm just looking at screenshots of the tweets. I'm just like, oh, come on. I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I'm literally at home walking my dogs. Then it just instilled from there on how everything unfolded. And that happened. It's a, that's the crappy part of the situation because we were called up about a month before mania. Uh, we got told it was, our last match against Grizzled Young Vets in NXT. That's where Hunter pulled us aside beforehand and said, hey, we're calling you guys up. We just need you guys to make them look good before you leave. We were like, no problem. Thank you very much. I want to go make some money. But it's just one of those things where it was off to the races. We were booked strong when we were called up. We were working with The New Day, who is just so dang good, so entertaining. It was so fun 
it stinks that it uh, it stinks the way it happened. But you can't really reflect on it now. I try not to look back on it so much. I've learned from in. Uh, I've learned from it, and now I know that if I'm in a team, everything you do or say reflects on everyone. Just like anything in any business, like NFL, NBA, how you act and how you reflect is going to reflect everybody else. Got to look at everything from a business standpoint. Hmm. All right. First I've heard of that one. Yeah. We haven't talked. uh, I mean, I keep in touch with Blake here and there, you know, when his wife passed away, I mentioned that, you know, I reached out to him. Uh, Steve and I haven't talked in, man, it's been a year, year and a half, probably maybe longer. Um, But you know, like, Hey man, I mean, there's no, uh, bad words towards me, which I'm fine, even if there was, but you know, he's right. We all got our own opinions. Um, I don't really think I tweeted anything wrong. I did apologize to him afterwards, you know, before, you know, just man to man, letting them know that, you know, that was not meant the way the world's putting it out to be. And, um, you know, we just kind of left it at that man and our relationship kind of went south as far as communication. And then they ended up going, like I said, he said with Baron Corbin and doing some stuff. And I got called back into working with Elias, which, you know, was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. But I hate, I hate it happened Casey the way it did. I hate that, you know, their career got put on halt because of my political views. Um, it's silly, uh, but that's just the entertainment business. And it's not the nineties anymore where, you know, WWE can get away with, uh, you know, beating up old women and doing other things. You know what I mean? It's just not not the air we're in anymore. Well, and what I don't really understand is you guys were driving at this type of gimmick anyway. Mm-hmm. Why, why could the office, why was it such a big deal? And why could the office not have taken what they have done so many times and, and turn a shoot into a work? Why could they have not taken this and just let it build more momentum toward you guys' characters? I mean, if everybody is is hating Donald Trump and the way the country's going while he is running things, which is questionable as to him causing all of it. I mean, let's be right. But, uh, you know, why could they have just not taken this and made y'all the major heels that y'all were planned out to be. It seems like that could have just been more steam to you guys' engine. Well, we won't dive too deep into it because, once again, last year's episode, we talked a lot about it. What what happened right there was they started to – the tweet wasn't the big deal. It it was what ignited the fire, and then the the media and coworkers started adding gasoline to this fire by going back and pulling up tweets that I had tweeted years ago that looked like I was, uh, quote unquote, being racist or uh, other things. And that's really where the fire got ignited. And I think the company had to make a a choice to pull back because I'm being labeled as a racist, which is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous, but Go back and listen to that episode. You'll hear everything. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Uh, everybody, do you have anything else that you'd like to add to this episode before we get out of here? I don't. Other than, man, I'm glad that um, I hope Blake's doing well. You know, like I said, I keep in touch with him. I love to see what 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 Steve is doing and, um, you know, their careers. I mean, right now I think Blake's taking a little time off, rightfully so. But uh, Steve looks like he's doing amazing, man. I mean, I, I loved the times that we were together. Um, and. I'm just glad they're doing well. 
Well, very good. Uh, everybody, be sure to go back if you want more detail on the Tweet Heard Around the World episode from last February. You can find it in the Wrestling for the Faith archives. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, topics that you would like to hear us discuss on the Wrestling for the Faith podcast, you can email us at wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. Guys, we thank you so much for listening. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Don't forget to follow Casey Cage on Twitter at Real Casey Cage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at CWLale underscore Gunner. And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith. 